Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I am swell, Ben, and that's where I'm going to leave that. I am very excited tonight. We have a favorite returning guest, a host of a wonderful podcast that if you have not listened to, you need to very soon. We have Nurse Papa. He is back with us tonight to talk about a few things. David, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. Hello, Tom. Hello, Ben. It's good to see you both. <laughs> you too, man. You too. So. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a long while. Yeah, oh, it man. has. And, and now David has, you know, he's super nurse. He's podcaster. He's a blogger. He's a father. And and now he's adding you know author to the mix, so that's pretty. That's awesome. true. Yeah, I have a book called Nurse Papa, the same name as my podcast. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, you, it's called <laughs> Did branding. You mean to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I say I, that is quite a lucky coincidence. That I know both it's, your it's, book and your podcast have the it same. It was name. amazing. Yeah, but no, it actually makes sense for me. You know, because if you're interested in the podcast, you'll be interested in the book. I got to say, we were talking about the book earlier. It is fantastic, but make sure you have a dictionary nearby while reading it, especially around certain pages that I won't give the secret away, but there's a few I have written down that are gems. Yeah, I tried I just, to write it for a, a fourth grade reader, but apparently that was too advanced for Tom. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. you are yeah. you are not incorrect, sir. There, were, <laughs> there was a few times I actually stopped and cussed at you while reading that. So I could actually was... feel the vibrations of your anger. <laughs> How many miles away? You live a couple thousand miles away from me. I live. I live approximately here from where you're at. I would probably ooh, several thousand. Probably, yeah. yeah, probably close to two thousand. Yeah, from yeah. you. So I felt, I, mean, I felt your anger. That doesn't yeah. surprise me, though. Most people do. So <laughs> you just think yeah. it's earthquakes. No, that's you just know, all of anger. Asia feels Tom's anger every morning. <laughs> yes. And it's never over big things. You think it's over something big. It's like when someone leaves like a little bit of milk and they put the carton back in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you would not be happy in my house. Uh, yeah, just. <laughs> oh, God. That's the type of stuff. Like literally something major can happen. And I'm like, you know what? We'll deal with this. You know, we got this. But you get me a bag of chips. And when I open it, like it's mostly air, not chips. Oh, everybody, Mm -hmm. everybody in a 50 yard radius is going to hear about this. So there could be like a nuclear mushroom cloud behind you. But if you see a few breadcrumbs on your butter, you'd be upset about that. Correct. Correct. You could say, Tom, your house is on fire. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, you know, everybody's safe. Hey, uh, Tom, somebody left, uh, you know, your shoe untied. You stepped it in the dirt. Now your shoelace is you know, muddy. Ah, it'd be total chaos at that point. So no, it's great, but we are so excited to get you on the air. We have a lot of great things going on with the nurse Papa and just some podcast podcasts going together. So uh, we have a lot of things 
to talk about tonight and hopefully in the future we'll have even more things to talk about and just apparently it's talking and talking about things and... you know what ben shut up okay i didn't know how else to word that <laughs> and you're gonna edit it so it sounds better you nope that's going in magnificent like master no i don't no let's oh god you know what that's why you can edit all right this is what separates us, us from the primates is that we can edit our podcast do it you mean the primates can't they can't edit their podcast? No, it's <laughs> they don't have opposable thumbs. They can't they can't work the fucking mouse and do that so shit, David. If a thousand so monkeys make a thousand podcasts over a thousand years, they can't edit any of them. No. It's it's a tragedy if you think about it. Because when, a thousand monkeys making podcasts. Yeah. yeah. It's just on, David. All right. They got that one big finger and they can yeah. press start and they can press stop. But that's it. All right. They can't control with that thumb. That's what separates us. It's a sad world. They do have those tails, though, those prehensile tails that I am. Actually, no, primates don't have those. Those are monkeys. No, that's I was going to say, uh, David, you're you're talking about the smaller but, monkey class. OK, I'm talking about look- those those magnificent beasts like gorillas and orangutans. Mm-hmm. But no, you you went. I went lemur. Yeah, you went lemur. <laughs> and who doesn't love a good lemur? That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. my God. We all do got to move it move it oh my god yeah and they dance so well as proven by madagascar <laughs> I, I wow yeah okay. are you telling me your children didn't make you watch the madagascar series of movies that that multiple times the, i just didn't know that that was the cutoff for the appropriateness of a, a lemur and how they function but I'm on the same level with you now, Tom. So we're good. I mean, that's, well, it took you. We're basing minute, everything but... on cartoons. That's why the damn coyote never caught the Roadrunner. I get you. It's cool. All right. I I just always wondered when he painted the tunnel on the rock. Like, how did you not see this coming? I don't know. It just always baffled me as an old child. So well, Tom, those two are really a metaphor for just humankind. I think They're those so, who win and those who do not. Yes. And those who do not use Acme products, so <laughs> thank God they're thank God they're sponsoring the next twelve episodes of just a podcast. Uh, that's gonna be the next chapter of David's book. <laughs> next book, see? It's yes. Mm, how do you use Acme rockets? Yeah. What, how they don't work. Well, Tom, <laughs> let's do our social media stuff. We'll get our story we may have missed, and then we'll get back into talking more about David and his book and all the cool stuff that he's got going on. Also, but. Before that, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and now LinkedIn at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the website. We're at www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email, jsp at justsomepodcast.com. Tom. Ben. Let's say they wanted to help us out a little bit. What could they do? Well, they could probably start telling their friends to listen to the podcast. We could use a few more listeners out there. That would help. You know, give a couple reviews, five stars or what we're looking for here. That would help. If they didn't do those two things, though, and they were all stocked up on Nurse Papa the book, then what I'd say they could do is they could go to our website, scroll down to just about the bottom of the page. They could click on that Amazon affiliate link before they do any of their shopping, put anything in their cart. And then it helps out the show. It doesn't cost them a thing, and we would really appreciate it. That's what I say. David, like what about for you? What, what can they do to uh, see your plethora of products that you have available now i mean i only have two products but um <laughs> damn it <laughs> would you just stick with this I, plethora plethora means many right so i can't really <laughs> that's more than one 
David. <laughs> Is it? Okay. So yeah, you can find my book and you can buy it. It's uh, available at Amazon as well. You don't have you. What you should actually really do is go through your affiliate to my book Ooh, on Amazon. I, I like where this is going. Yeah, that's basically a win-win-win. I suspect there will be a link in the show notes below that will do just that. Wow, that is extremely convenient. I mean, I thought so. <laughs> Who would have thought that little twist right there was was coming? So, other than the book, David, where else can they find you at, man? You can find me on any podcast network. Uh, Nurse Papa is my podcast. And you can find out more about my book at www.nursepapathebook.com. You don't even need the www. You can just say nursepapathebook.com and it will actually take you there. Well, great. Now I have to go back and change 117 episodes where I put www <laughs> in front of just some podcast. Thanks, David. No problem. <laughs> it's my quotidian joy to uh, <laughs> help you out here. Oh, that is uh, that is the pure essence of awesomeness that David just laid at your feet. If you didn't hear the word he just said, look it up, okay? Because this guy, who he uh, he's got the he's got the five dollar words, and I I appreciate it. They also make me cuss them out, but I do appreciate it a lot. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, quotidian joy! Wow, this guy. Yeah, people are pausing the show right now. Go, <laughs> yeah, how many people just said Siri? What the hell does quotidian mean? <laughs> they might be just going to the bathroom, but. Oh, there's that too. But usually they leave us on when they do that. So oh, yeah. You guys you go. are good bathroom material. <laughs> we <laughs> are. Yeah. 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 Uh, if only they could. Never mind. We'll just go for it. <laughs> yeah, so let's so, just, yeah. Let's just see. Even Tom yeah. said, mm, let's stop on that one right there. <laughs> well, Tom, you ready to jump into our story that you may have missed? Yeah, let's go. So I went a little different than I normally do. Normally I try to find like medical articles and journals and things of that nature. Um, I went, I mean, this is a journal. It's the Wall Street Journal. Um, but I did go with a journal here. So uh, this is a story about, and it's kind of a sad story. So I guess trigger warning for. <laughs> Generally you have to specify what the trigger is, don't you? So it, it is. It, <laughs> So, in case you listen to this in any way it could trigger something because exactly. there's words put together just, in sentences that form a narrative that i am going to then repeat this may bother you so unless it was the trigger was actually like a gun trigger Ooh, oh, <laughs> trigger was, trigger warning yeah different yes. trigger warning so yes. so this is about a baby who dies um at the hospital so that's that's the trigger warning tom are you happy now no not well, in any way. Thank you for up. making me look like an asshole. Way to so, go, Tom. Yeah, thank you, David. So the title of this article is A Hospital Hit by Hackers, A Baby in Distress, The Case of the First Alleged Ransomware Death. And so this talks about a lawsuit that was filed, and it was filed by a woman by the name of Tierna Kidd. Uh, she walked into Spring Hill Medical Center on July 16th, 2019, to have her baby. Uh, she had no idea that the Alabama hospital was deep in the midst of a ransomware attack. It talks about how for eight days the computers have been disabled on every floor, and of course, you know, with the ransomware attack, it locked everything up. They couldn't do anything as far as that goes. They were back to paper charting, and they had told them, you know, told her that they had no computer charting. They didn't know for how long. They were printing out labs in the laboratory. They were sending them by paper. It was you know, quite the ordeal. Her daughter was born with an umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. Of course, that is going to trigger warning signs on the heart monitor. 
when the squeeze cord cuts off the supply to the blood and oxygen to the fetus. However, because of the hack, there were less eyes on the heart monitor because the heart monitor normally was on a large screen at the nurse's station, but because of the, the ransomware attack, they weren't able to display it there. So most of the nurses weren't able to see that. In conversations that they have with text messages between the nurses and the physician, she said, the doctor was saying this, I need you to help me understand why I was not notified. In another text, she wrote that this was preventable. And now she has sued uh, Spring Hill Hospital, alleging information about the baby's condition never made it to Dr. Parnell, which was the doctor, because the hack wiped away the extra layer of scrutiny the heart, the heart rate monitor would have received at the nurse's station. If proven in court, this case will mark the first confirmed death from a ransomware attack. The hospital does deny any wrongdoing. Uh, their CEO says, quote, We stayed open and we and our dedicated healthcare workers continued, continued to care for our patients because the patients needed us. And we, along with the independent treating physicians who exercised their privileges at the hospital, concluded it was safe to do so. Dr. Parnell, who was listed as a defendant in the lawsuit, did not respond to comments. Um, in the court filing, she said that she had uh, been aware of the cyber attack, but, quote, believed that Mrs. Kidd could safely deliver her baby at Spring Hill at the time that she was admitted. So, as you know, of course, ransomware being a, a huge thing, now hospitals have become more targets of this. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported in June that at least 235 general hospitals and inpatient psychiatric facilities plus dozens of other healthcare facilities in the U.S. since 2018 have been attacked uh, through this Russian-based ransomware gang. Tom, David, thoughts? It's kind of amazing how much we depend on technology in our medical paradigm these days. Very true. You know, every hospital is so vulnerable to it. Well, one of the questions I have, because you just mentioned this at the end, a Russian hacker gang. So do we know who caused the problem? It was, and I can't pronounce it, it was like R-Y-U-K was the, the name of the, the game, which is apparently named after a Japanese god of some sort. Okay, so we do know who perpetrated this, correct? I mean, it's an industry. I mean, yeah, they're the ones well, who... Well, it is an industry, but I mean, this is one of those cases where I, I don't think any of them should go without punishment, but I'm saying in this particular case, have we gotten savvy enough where we know which person is doing which crime, because that will definitely help with catching them and prosecuting them versus, well, we know it's on the internet. That's not really something law enforcement can go after. But if you can tell me a person and a place, then we might actually be able to start seeing some results. The question I have is what are we doing to fix it? And is there an answer or is this just something we as a profession are just going to have to learn how to deal with? Like you have to have, a backup plan because your hospital might go under attack for ransomware. Like, is there ever an end in sight to something like this? I mean, cybersecurity. And unfortunately, all these actors are, they're not in the U.S. So how do you prosecute somebody yeah. who's not right. on our soil? Well, depending, again, that would depend on where they're at. I mean, American law enforcement does work with other countries and, you know, organizations like Interpol to help. Uh, fight crime across the world, but it also, like I said, depends on where it's at. Yeah, we don't work very well with Russia these days. Yeah, I was going to say, so Russia, um, most of China, there's going to be a few places where, hey, if you're going to be a hacker, yeah. either be there or have your signal originate from there. Yeah, it's a but safe zone. 
Yeah, but at the same time, you know, other countries which have had hacking issues for something way less serious than, you know, attacking a hospital, like pirating movies for organizations here, they have been arrested and prosecuted in foreign countries. Like, I know that's happened. So I just wonder what the answer is. And I'm I'm not tech savvy enough to know what that would be. I, I wouldn't have the obvious answer. I do think this is probably why some hospitals just pay the ransom to get their hospital system unlocked because it's easier to, well, not cost effective. It's easier to just pay it and it be gone and then go from there as opposed to going through all the legal channels and law enforcement and everything else. And then, you know, in some cases they're going to just going to go, well, how are we going to do that? You know, how are we going to prosecute this? What are we going to do with it? You know, unfortunately in this case, allegedly, uh, you know, they're attributing it potentially to that, to that ransomware. Well, it, I was going to say, maybe it's, you said it's not cost effective, but honestly, if you look at the price that hospitals pay now, it may have been way more cost effective to pay the ransom than well, deal case, with what yes. they're dealing now. Yeah. So, I mean, but that, isn't that ultimately our goal is to protect the patient and I'm not putting any blame on Spring Hill. I'm saying if that's the goal of the hospital and you are unable to prevent a cyber attack, at what point is there a reasonable, like I have a hundred bed hospital so I can afford up to $500,000. Like, I, I don't know, but obviously the pirates and obviously in this case, I think they are considered, it's considered a type of piracy that they are making money off this. So if they completely destroy the ability to make money off this, I don't think that they'll stay in business. I mean, if you look at the coast of Somalia, not to get too far off topic, but those are actual pirates, you know, the Captain Phillips. Yeah. They they don't charge $100 million for each person because they don't know if they would never get any money. So I, I think that there is some balance that's going to be found. I just don't know what it's ever going to be, and it's hard to imagine what it could be. Well, and I think that hospitals are going to be more vulnerable than some other, other businesses. Because if a bank gets hit with ransomware, I mean, you can still somewhat function, I assume. I mean, I'm obviously, I don't work in a bank, so if you know there's a banker out there telling me I'm wrong, that's fine. But- you know, with the hospital, we're we're focusing on people's lives, and so I think there's I think it makes us an easier target because they know we have that life hanging in the balance. Yeah, um, I mean, I did actually read a really interesting article about this industry in the New Yorker a couple of months ago, and it's a, a super high percentage, almost sixty to seventy percent of these hackings come from phishing. Basically, somebody will send somebody who works in the hospital an email, and they will open it up inappropriately and then they're in through the six yeah. warnings that say this is from yeah. originating from outside the hospital. Please exactly. don't open this. Yeah. yeah. And yet somebody does. It's it just, it's incredible to me at this day and age, no matter who you are, or what age you are, if you're working in a hospital, you're a minimally computer savvy. Nobody told them don't open emails. Who's still opening emails like, or, or for like from an outside unknown source. It just, yeah, I know, but I mean, I, I, I've seen, because I've worked on the IT side of things for a while, I've seen some very convincing phishing oh, sure. emails. Yeah, it's very sophisticated. I mean, obviously, there are the ones that are just horribly, you know, like when you, oh, your PayPal has been suspended and then shit's all misspelled all the way through and you're like, yeah, okay. I think <laughs> Or PayPal, this is the IRS, so, you yeah. have to pay us in gift cards. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So, but, yeah. you know, so, I mean, like you said, though, if, if it's going to ultimately kind of fall on the employees to be safe and be kind of savvy about not opening emails that you don't know the source. Um, I think our hospital for the most part has kind of shut down 
receiving emails except for like providers and things of that nature. But like most of my nurse, my nurse and my receptionist, they don't get a lot of outside emails because our system just doesn't allow it. So it's become more of an intranet, like it's just in the hospital. Yeah. And honestly, there's positives and negatives to that. You could argue both ways. So eh. I just, man, what a crappy situation. So we're in the middle of a pandemic and then, oops, by the way, <laughs> your computer system might shut down for your whole hospital. Yeah, that's super awesome. I mean, it is crazy. You know, every now and then our computer system does go down. There's something going on internally and you don't realize how dependent you are on your computer. Just like give a medication. I have to scan a patient. I have to scan the med. I have to verify everything I see in front of me on a computer. And when I don't have that, I feel very at a loss. I mean, it's just like not what I'm used to doing at this point. We are so dependent on technology, which is not a bad thing, but we also need to develop the behavior and technology to make sure that we're not taking advantage of because of that. Yeah. Cause I mean, in, from a family practice standpoint, uh, cause I, I've had our computer system go down even for like an hour while they're rebooting stuff or, or you know, updates or whatever they're doing and you continue to see patients and you're like, well, I don't know what medicine they're on. I don't know what their allergies <laughs> no. are. Like I, do, 100%. I don't know recent vital signs. I don't know. Like I know other than knowing the patient, but patient list of several thousand patients, you're not going to remember as much as patients would like you to, you're not going to remember every single medication that they're on and things of that nature. So it, it is, it's very crippling. Or, yeah, the last time you saw him, you said, hey, we're going to change your medicine from this to this. And if this doesn't work, here's the plan. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, what was that plan? Like, I, I, I wrote it down for a reason. I just can't access the things I wrote. <laughs> so that's a problem. So, yeah, no, it's it's a terrible situation, honestly. But I, I like I said, I feel like we're going to find a balance. That's the game, isn't it? These guys keep trying to hack in. Eventually, we'll figure out a way to stop the hacking. So they'll have to come up with a new way to hack us. But there's that equilibrium we'll have to find. And hopefully we get there sooner than later. Or it'll get worse. Well, you know, thank you for that, Ray of Sunshine. I mean, maybe so. <laughs> people are always talking about how we're going to be integrating computers into our brains at some point. Are people going to be hacking Ooh. into our bodies? Yeah. Wouldn't see, that be trippy? Look, yeah. You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. And we're about to go down a major rabbit hole here in a second. But that's one of those lines where even I'm like, mm -mm. no, <laughs> no, no computer Musk. chips in your brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, bro, for if nothing else, if you could tell me with 100 percent accuracy and certainty that it was a flawless system, it would never cause any integration problems with me as a person or, you know, hackable, something like that. That's that's an area to start considering things. But the minute you go, Tom, it's 98 percent safe. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What so you're telling team? me, you know, two percent of the population of the world's vulnerable to having their brain hacked. Nope. <laughs> now, with based on my luck this week alone, there is zero percent chance of you getting <laughs> that shit into my brain. So let's just to quote Cousin Eddie. When he's talking about the metal plate in his head, you know, he's like, I should ride out the microwave. I pissed my pants, forgot who I was for about a half hour. <laughs> yeah, You don't want that when you have a microchip in your head. How often do you quote Cousin Eddie? Pretty often. damn frequently. Yeah. <laughs> shitter's full. So that's like, that's like a tagline for this whole podcast. <laughs> so there you go. Speaking of podcasts, let's, let's move on to our main topic, which is David. Oh. Nurse Papa. So 
How's the podcast going, man? I mean, I think it's going pretty well. You know, my podcast, it's different from this. I don't have my best friend to talk to every night. I basically tell a story of nursing or parenthood and reflect on it and try to put some nice words together for my listeners. Like Quotidian. <laughs> Quotidian. Oh, yes. yes, this guy. And so the stories that you have, not to people who would, would suspect this, but these are all like legitimate, true, real things that happened to you. Like the pizza on the floor of the, was it Sam's or Costco? Costco. Like, yeah, yeah. That's all stuff, Costco, yeah. So, like that that's all stuff that actually happened to you. Yes. I think most people have ridiculous things that happen to them, but they're probably one, too embarrassed to admit it and also just don't take the time to write it down. But I do both. I would say that is both my favorite chapter in the book and my favorite episode of your podcast I've ever heard. First of all, on, on many levels, so Ben is right and David is obviously right. It's his podcast. It is very different than us. It's a very produced, refined versus this is a, a conversation piece. His is a finished product the minute you start listening to it. So I, I really like that. It's completely different than ours. So that's one thing I like listening to it is it's different. It's just something new to to listen to. But that episode on the pizza, mm -hmm. first of all, not only without sounding like I'm blowing smoke up your skirt, is really well when reading it or listening to it, I understand not only what you're saying, but I can literally put myself in your shoes. <laughs> I'm sure you can. In a way, oh, especially me, in a way that that's one of those hallmark traits. Like I've read books and I'm like, oh, it's a good book. But when you are like, like we were talking about the Martian, there were times I was like, man, if I was on Mars, like this is how I would do things, you know? So listening to that episode or reading that chapter alone, that was, and it was fairly early on. That's one of those things that sunk me in. Like, okay. I felt like I was mad at that pizza on the ground. Like I could imagine that polished cement, like the whole thing. I was like, oh my God, this is me. I'm yeah. listening to David talk about me. And it was such a great episode. That is the highest compliment. And for your <laughs> listeners who uh, have not read the book or heard the podcast, the chapter is called The Slice of Parenthood, in which um, I pretty much lose my mind in Costco <laughs> over a slice of pizza. And you know, I've, I have heard from people who have read the book and heard the episode that I don't really uh, portray myself as a very sympathetic character in those moments. And I tell them, hell yeah, I don't because I am not perfect. And one of the reasons I, I wrote my book about parenthood and about nursing is that I think there's some kind of illusion that we are all perfect. Or you look at people's Instagram and think that they have this ideal life and that their family is just so amazing. But people don't put up these shots of their kids shitting on the dining room table or when they lose it in a public place. And all those things happen and they definitely happen to me. So I really want to normalize this idea of just imperfect humanity that I am definitely an example of. And see, and that's one of the things that and I've told you this multiple times. That's one of the things I really like about it is it's you're not coming from the, oh, this is how you should do parenting. This, These are the perfect ways to raise a perfect child. Yes. If you were this a good is, parent, you would. <laughs> yeah. This is, hey, you know, here's shit that's happened to me here's ways that I've reflected on this and here's what I've learned from this and what I hope to kind of help you learn from this. And I think that's just so much more real. Yeah. I think you can't approach the subject of, of parenthood with extreme authority because I think there are many people who do that and they probably have PhDs or something. I don't know. I don't have really any letters behind the name, behind my last name besides <laughs> RN. I'm proud of that. 
<laughs> but yeah, I think you need to relate to people and be honest about your own flaws. And it's only then that you can actually give sage advice because you've, you've been there. And I know we kind of talked last time you were on about the book and stuff, but what made you decide or, or think, you know what, I'm going to start writing these stories down and I'm going to start putting it out there in a blog and, and a book and a podcast. And I mean, how did that open up in your mind, I guess? There was one seminal moment. And if you guys read the book, which sounds like you have, you, you probably made it through this chapter. But um, I did accept a patient kind of many years ago at this point. And he basically came to us ready to die. He didn't know that, though. You know, he was coming. He was a teenage boy named Jason, and he was coming into the hospital for a liver transplant. And soon after he got there, the surgeons realized that he had this giant tumor just sitting on his liver. And not only was he not going to get a liver transplant, he was he was going to die within a matter of weeks. So I took care of this young man over that period many, many times. And there was no way to break through to him. His only world was just pain. And it wasn't just physical pain. It was this existential pain of just what was happening to him. And I didn't know how to relate to him. And as a caregiver, I was having a lot of pain myself, just seeing him in such a horrible situation. And I remember a few weeks in when I tried to get Jason to take a bath. And, you know, the last thing you want to do when you're a dying teenager is to take a bath. Like, it just must seem like the least important thing <laughs> on your menu at that point, right? Right. But I have two kids myself, so I was finally able to have him agree to let us bathe him. And it was this very lovely moment where, you know, we were all very present with this young man who was in such pain. And when we were, when we were done, you know, he looked like a different boy to me. He just laid back on his bed. And, you know, in that moment, he just looked like a, a boy sunbathing on a beach with his hands behind his head. And I remember he looked at me and it, it truly felt like the first time he had ever seen me. And then a few hours later, we were in his room and his family had, you know, departed for the time and the lights were off and I thought he was sleeping. I thought he was just relaxing from his bath. And out of nowhere, he said, David. And this boy had never even said my name before. I didn't even know if he knew my name. And he said, David, do you have any pets? And I said, yes, because I was so, so surprised to hear him talk to me. And I said, we have a cat. But she gets mostly ignored because we have a toddler too. And he said, well, we have cats too, three of them. But we had to put one down because you know she was old and she wouldn't eat. And I said, Jason, it's so, so sad that that happened. I'm so sorry for you. And he said, well, it's okay. You know, because if, if you love cats, then you have to be okay with them dying. And it was, you know, it was so clear to me in that moment that Jason, while he was talking about his cat, he was also talking about himself. And I don't think that he would be able to have come to that realization or come to that, been able to verbalize it if we hadn't had that really intimate time beforehand. And of course, you know, a couple of days later, Jason died. But, you know, I never forgot what he said to me. It just kind of repeated in my mind for days and days after that. And I just wrote the story down. And then that was the beginning of the book. Yeah, you know, I wanted to show people what occurs in these walls, these rare, this rarefied space that they don't get to see and all the joy and the sadness and the pain, but also the amazing discoveries that people make about themselves. And that's where it all came from. Wow. <laughs> I, this is the first time I've ever seen Tom speechless in three years of doing this show. 
I, well, I, I'm just, first of all, that's just an amazing story. So let's start there. But I, I just keep thinking about things I read from the book, listening to David talk. And of course I skimmed through it again and prep for the show and everything. It seems, and, and David, I, I want to hear more about this. Every chapter seems to start with, shouldn't say seems does start with a quote from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them are the other, it seems like other pediatric nurses you work with. I know there was one from like a parent. There was one from an attending that I remember off, off the top of my head. So when you decided to start writing this, did you talk about it or is it something that you just did? And then as you were finishing it up, you said, Hey guys, I wrote a book. This is what I'm doing. Like, these people gave you quotes or are these just things that they said to you that you remembered and wrote down or were these things that they wanted to contribute? Because I got to be honest, uh, for those that aren't in healthcare, first of all, pediatric nurses are a different breed. And then pediatric oncology nurses literally should just have wings stapled to to their back. I feel like, like I don't know. It's just it's something I couldn't ever do. And so was this an experience that you you try to gather information from other people in your field, or was this like just collating all their knowledge into your book with your thoughts and feelings? Like, how did that go about? No, it was very much a purposeful process. I quickly realized that I really wanted to have other people's point of view for this book because I, I've been a nurse, a pediatric oncology nurse for 13, 14 years now, but I haven't seen everything. And my colleagues are so amazing and they have so much experience so I made an effort to interview people. I, I interviewed about 40 people for this book. I sat down in their houses and we talked, we cried for hours, you know, and this book is, is very much their experience as much as it is, as it is mine. And I think it's much richer for that fact. It almost, and so all, all those quotes came from the interviews that I, that I made, did with these people. It, it almost feels like in some form or fashion, it's almost therapeutic for not only you, but for you know everybody that was in the work in your unit that helped kind of contribute to this. Because speaking as an ER, an old ER nurse, you know, I know that we compartmentalize really, really well. And we just kind of put that little shit in a box and we're not ever going to think about it again. And then, you know, you're driving to work one morning and the song comes on the radio and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know what? Today you're going to deal with that shit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I, funny what makes you feel sometimes, huh? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it had to almost feel kind of therapeutic to get some of this get some of this out yeah i mean for a few chapters and quite a few chapters i had to go to a pretty dark place i had to go through a tunnel that i wasn't comfortable being in to really write something that was true you have to be honest with what you're made of i'm not perfect and i know that tom thinks that pediatric oncology nurses all have wings well we might have wings at work although some of us are assholes i have to tell you um <laughs> We might have wings at work, and, but you know we take that pain home with us. I mean, I can survive really well at work for twelve hours and not let it get to me. But I take it home, and you know the sad part is, I think I am at times my best self when I'm taking care of the kids at work, but I'm my worst self with my family, and that's a real journey I have to make. And it's a journey I took through the book about learning how to coexist in these two worlds without giving too much energy to each of them and you know being fair to the people i love it's it's hard and i think it's a very common thing with nurses and doctors really trying to manage that dichotomy yeah one of the uh 
stories that stood out to me or, and it wasn't even a whole story. It was like a part of a story, but it was a female nurse talking about the exact thing you just said. Mm-hmm. And she said, when she got home, her husband said something to the effect of, I want the you when you're at work. Like, yeah, that's, that's who I want at home. And again, it was one of those things. I was like, shit, <laughs> like it just kind of, Oh God, man, that's, it hits you. I don't think healthcare alone has that market cornered. I'm no. sure there are plenty of other jobs, but in this particular case, we're talking about healthcare. I think we do represent a large percentage of those people that at work, we are one person. And then unfortunately for a lot of us, some of the time, at least when we come home, we are just a shell or an angry version oh, yeah. empty of what's going on. And we don't want to be. And I think I lucked out. My wife is in healthcare. So I think she gets it more than maybe that husband understood for his wife. Well, he's, he was also a doctor actually. Okay. What a jerk then. So anyway, <laughs> what an ass, yes. but well, but I could see a husband that works in construction going, well, you're so nice at work. Why aren't you nice when you come home? And he just, yeah. He just doesn't get it. You know, I'm sure he's got stress, but it's not that stress. And so reading and hearing you talk about it and some of the stuff, again, you don't have to be in healthcare to relate. And as a matter of fact, for some people outside of healthcare, maybe it would be a good window to see what it's like for us on the other side. But that's one of those few, those couple sentences stood out like a lot and like it branded itself. Holy shit. You need to think about this, Tom. Like, is this how you are like maybe maybe when you come home everybody else isn't being a jerk <laughs> you're being a jerk like maybe and this is a surprise to you tom gosh you know what it was a huge surprise to me because <laughs> as everybody that knows me thinks i'm pretty sure i walk on water so that's uh-huh. how things work so it, but it was it was a, a fantastic thing i mean there are great stories i i told ben before there's a couple there's one whole chapter I haven't re- really been able to dive into because literally the first sentence was talking about a pediatric patient passing away and what you guys do to care for the body. Yeah. And having been there and done that for people after they have passed away, I was like, again, hit me in the feels. Like I was like, I, I can't. It's something I want to read, but feeling it again is not something that I'm looking forward to. So I can only imagine the process of writing it and putting it on paper. Were there ever times that you were like, this is too much and it took you forever to write it. Or you tried to find another way to write it. Or did you just say, screw it. You let the blood hit the paper. How did you go about when you had a tough situation? I definitely let the blood hit the paper. If anything, I had to hold back for the readers rather than myself. Cause I feel like I'm so used to seeing these things, but the reader needs to be, led into it a little bit more gingerly. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, that particular chapter you're talking about, it's, it's a reality that, you know, when a child dies on our unit, we bathe them. You know, we, we really give them this honorable experience of taking care of their body in a really holistic and kind way. And there's times when I do this, you know, it's not very often, but then I go home and I, you know, I give my own kids a bath at home. And that's just a strange terrain to navigate, to wonder, like, how... I'm dealing with these feelings and then and then do the same thing with my loud, boisterous kids at home. Yeah. And that's just part of the journey. And I'm still figuring it out. There was one other one just to illustrate it further was the female nurse that said, my child is six and I'm taking care of patients that will never be six. 
Yeah. And that was like, oh my God. <laughs> that was another one of those experience moments, like reading your book, feeling it. And like I said, you put it in a way, talking to her or relaying that story that I was just like, I totally understood and felt in that moment what was being conveyed. And I thought that was just fantastic. I thought it was it was a great way to deliver that message of how like she was feeling. And mm-hmm. I was like, I could put myself in her spot. Like I could completely empathize with what she was doing and feeling. Yeah. It is know, it's fantastic, but it's God, it's hard. <laughs> it is yeah. so hard. It's it's really interesting as healthcare workers, and I'm sure that you guys kind of fall into this, you know, this hole as as well. It's like you say to yourself that I'm doing such good work that I don't know, life's gonna treat me well, my family's gonna be okay. But it's just not how it works. You know, we attempt this magical thinking, but unfortunately the world doesn't play along. And, you know, sometimes I can be really thankful that I have a healthy seven-year-old and a healthy five-year-old and be sad for the five-year-old and seven-year-old that dies at work. But, you know, the reality is that a child can get cancer when they're 11, a child can get cancer when they're 15. And this is not a invitation just to be afraid and to not engage with the world. You just have to be thankful for what you got. You know, you just have to remind yourself constantly that, you know, you're blessed. Yeah. How did your coworker, I mean, I'm assuming your coworkers probably read the book and, or at least excerpts of it or whatever the case may be. How has that, how has it been received through them? I mean, because obviously, like you said, these are their stories. So it would be kind of weird for me to read a book about, I mean, you know, read a story about myself because you're going to put your spin on it. So, I mean, how was that received? Yeah. Uh, quite well, I think. I had lots of apprehension about it because I really wanted to tell the story well. You know, people really gave me their trust in communicating their stories, their feelings, their experiences. And I think people felt really validated to see that their work was important and that their emotions were true. So I think people who I have talked to about it have really enjoyed it. And for that reason, I think other healthcare workers who have similar experiences will also really enjoy reading this book. I just, I want to write Tom's story and. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to edit it heavily. So there you go. Well, for people listening, I don't want them to think the entire book is like this. It is a roller coaster, but roller coasters are good. You know, like it, it takes you through all the emotions and there were, there was plenty of chapters, even when they had a very serious tone. I really loved the message. Like the one about how everybody in the hospital is a family and the family is like, I think it's actually called families where you find it. And I I really liked the chapter and the relationship you had with the patient in that. Mm -hmm. But then if I remember right, there was some staff talking about like how you all work together around those patients. And that was something, again, I've never been pediatric oncology, but that's exactly how we felt in ER. That's exactly how we felt in ICU. Oh, yeah. And I could, again, relate. And I think it's important for people to get that message of how we really interact and feel for the most part. Like you said, there's, you know, assholes out there. But for the most part, even the assholes have their, you know, their place, you know, within yeah. our, within our family. They got your and, back. Yeah. They, they got your back. You may not even want them to have your back, but they'll <laughs> still be there. Um, and sometimes you're the asshole. I'm just saying I may have been called that more than one time. So, but it, I, I just, like I said, I can't get say enough about the message, the stories. And again, I think it's incredibly important as much now as maybe ever in healthcare with everything that we're going through as a family, 
because I've said it a million times before, I feel somewhat insulated from things that happen now, but I still am friends. I still talk to people that work bedside. My family, my wife is bedside. So I, I think this is a great book on so many levels to understand healthcare, to understand your story, your, your people you worked in your hospital story, patient care, like it's just fantastic. And I can't say that enough. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you don't think it's just one big boohoo because <laughs> no, it's I really, not. I, I just realized, I realized after we said a couple stories, I was like, Oh, this oh, is yeah, getting this, to sound negative. I'm not gonna read so. this book. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I, I made a real effort to include some really transcendent, funny stories. I mean, Oh, absolutely. You know, the truth is, there's so much that happens in the hospital and the home that is just hilarious. You just have oh, to be open to it. The stories about raising kids, especially, like I said, if nothing else, if anybody ever wants a taste, I'm telling you, the pizza episode <laughs> of your podcast will set the tone that they'll be like, I get it, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially with the raising kids. I don't want people to think it's just all set in the hospital because it's not. But may it like it just hits all hits all the buttons for me. Yeah. Like, yeah Nurse this. Papa is really just, it's about being a parent and being a caregiver and, you know, this unique transition between those two roles. Uh, yeah. I would just think that Tom being called an asshole is probably a quotidian experience. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it might be more than quotidian. Yeah. What's the, what's the, uh, what's the plural of quotidian? Quot <laughs> yeah this guy's a quotidii that's what's going on here. but yeah i just so, yeah tom saw that word in my book and can you define that word tom just so nobody else gets confused and starts yes, to sweat because i had to look that up immediately after yelling fuck you david multiple times <laughs> in my head it means to occur often or you know every day rep repetitively or something you know along those lines so it just means it happens often so they're saying i get called asshole all the time so yeah. and i go. like using and i like using fancy words and you know what? He uses them well. So there you go. <laughs> keep keep firing them off, you small-handed ukulele player. We yeah. still love you. So yeah, don't think I forgot that shit. Okay. No, yeah, so, my hands <laughs> have been shrinking ever since we last talked. <laughs> yes. Just because you're going to be all famous, and he's like, "Hey, Tom, I got a Pulitzer. What do you have?" I'm like, "Nothing. Shut up." So I mean, just because that is the type of stuff. Yeah, you just wait till I get my Nobel. I will literally hit you in the face with it, David. I that's, mean, that's, <laughs> the reason I play ukulele is because it makes my hands look bigger. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, Tom's going to be like, you know, Dave's going to be like, oh, I got a, Pul a Pulitzer. And Tom's going to be like, yeah, but you can't hold it with your tiny hands. So <laughs> <laughs> they made a special one for me. It's a small one. <laughs> yeah, yes. And the miniature Pulitzer goes to David. David Metzger. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. So, David, what's on the horizon for Nurse Papa? You know, are we planning more books? Or obviously the podcast is going well and is going to continue to. Yeah, to put out episodes and do well. So yeah, we'll we'll keep up with the podcast. I, I I just like telling stories. I don't know if I'm gonna write another book. It it honestly was a debilitating process. I don't recommend that anybody do that unless it's like a short picture book where you can just <laughs> put a few words together and draw some pictures. But if you really have something to say, there's lots of ways to do it. You know, you can write a song or you can start a podcast. But yeah, don't don't write a book. It's it's hard. <laughs> Out of all the options, that's the yeah. least. <laughs> Don't and honestly, write a book. It's not, there's not much benefit to it. I mean, you know, do people read books anymore besides your audience? <laughs> well, we're hoping our audience does. Um, I yeah. have so too. 
There's um, a few guys probably in Paraguay. They still read them. They'll hear this, so that's good. I hope large falling, <laughs> large falling in Paraguay. So let's let's keep that going. No, I'm just gonna keep on telling stories, and I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but they're not gonna stop. Good. You know, one more thing I want to hit on for you for sure is, you know, not only do you, are you great at telling these stories, you know, with the podcast, the book, taking us on a roller coaster of emotions, but you also answer questions for your Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For your listeners, followers. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really do enjoy getting letters from my parent listeners and it seems to happen often enough for me to answer them. I have a segment of my podcast called Dear Nurse Papa in which parents write to me they're crazy parent problems. I am actually really excited about this uh, November episode in which a mom wrote about her son who, after being fully potty trained for five years, just started peeing everywhere. And I get these questions from these parents, you know, who are really going through it with their kids. And I have this rare gift where I can give really amazing advice to other, other people, advice that I would not be able to take advice that I would not apply to my own kids because I'm usually not aware enough to know that it's necessary. So I really enjoy hearing from parents. And if anybody wants to write to me, they can send me an email at david at nursepopofthebook.com and I will put you on my podcast. That's right. Yeah. In fact, Ben wrote me a letter. I did. Yeah. It was, it was like, how do I get rid of Tom and replace <laughs> him with a co-host that is less of an asshole? And yes. I, I remember I gave you quite a few suggestions and you didn't take any of them. <laughs> Clearly, I'm, I'm still, still here. here. Yeah. Craigslist Craig dad. I mean, I. It almost came through for you. Did you look into that hitman? Yeah. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that on the air, sir. We, okay, we we'll talk afterwards. Nod. Yeah. Look, obviously you guys don't watch. Your, apparently your wives don't watch any murder mysteries because we all know if you're trying to hire a hitman, it's always an undercover FBI agent. Okay. Mm. Don't ever do it. It never works out. Yeah. Just saying. That is, no, that is very true. true. You got to stab him with an icicle. It melts. Evidence gone. You got to do it yourself is the real lesson we're, we're learning yeah, here. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. So we'll get Tina on here to talk to you guys about how to plan the perfect murder. Bing, bang, boom. There you go. We got an award-winning podcast. Tina so. from Good Nurse, Bad Nurse is the expert. That's true. Oh, yes. On how to murder and get away with it. Yes. Boy, that sounds bad when you say it like that. <laughs> so Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tina, it was good Oops. knowing you and uh, it was nice being your friend, but apparently you're probably going to block us now. So, <laughs> Such a sweet lady. Uh, no, she's got a great podcast about nurses, doctors, and other people in the healthcare industry who just make really bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yeah. That's... You've guest toasted several times. We've guest toasted several times. Oh, yeah. I'm Always there a fun experience over there. Yeah, yes. no, that's great. Well, I mean, David, I think as we get to wrapping up, we, of course, you know, want to make sure that people buy your book. So there's going to be that link down in the show notes and it'll take you right to where you can buy his book. Are you autographing these, David? I mean, can, you know, how, how, how does this work? If I see you walking down the street with my book in your hand and I have a pen, I will autograph it. <laughs> and I have a pen. <laughs> you have to supply the pen, peasant. So there you go. You heard it here first, folks. On just no, some they come yet. straight. They come straight from Amazon. So I have no hand in that process. But if I, you do see him in the street, yeah, and he has I a pen. Just, 
in my head, I'm just imagining this whole scene where somebody finally comes up to David like, you're Nurse Papa. Can you please sign my book? And you just like throw it at him. Like, did you even bring a pen? Did you even <laughs> listen to the instructions and like walk off? I'm like, oh, Peasants. my God. Peasant. And just throw the book at him. I'm like, wow. No, I would that, never do that. That's the level I, I would. If I had a book <laughs> and I was an award winning Pulitzer Prize with tiny hands author. You better come to me with the silver Sharpie. Otherwise, I am oh, not specific. Stop it. Silver Sharpie. So. <laughs> well, I think the book's going to do huge. You're going to be walking around these nursing conferences. It's going to be like, oh, you know, because I've seen this actually happen before with, yeah. with uh, Margaret Fitzgerald. Like she was walking through one of the, the national conferences for nurse practitioners. She was walking through the hallway and people were like, oh, my gosh, that's Margaret Fitzgerald. And they would bring their Fitzgerald review books that they haven't used for probably 10 years in hopes of seeing her in the hallway to get her to autograph them. What kind of books does she write? For nurse practitioners, she writes the the review for our board test. I see. So she so in the nurse practitioner world, she is like Van Halen. Like she is the original OG rock star. Because she yeah. actually writes useful information. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we have jobs because she makes it able for us to pass. So yeah, yeah made, we kind of yeah. You may not find that, that kind of information in, in my book. <laughs> You know, you're gonna get a roller coaster of emotions, and you get that with the board review book. But usually, it's just crying, crying, <laughs> yeah, straight down. That's the I only don't know direction. Any of this. Yeah, yeah, it's not a roller coaster. It's more of a rocket sled to hell type <laughs> situation. Yeah, no. If you want the benefit of connecting with your humanity, I think my book's a really good book to check out. You'll you'll feel very human reading it, and sad, and then happy, and, and then, then angry, sad. and then happy. Yes. And then, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty much everything that we all go through, right? Correct. Oh, and uh, again, learn a few tips. Makes you feel like the next time you uh, start yelling at your kid, you're like, okay, hold on. I just read a story about this. I need to, ch- <laughs> I need to chill out for a second before my kid asks me why, dad. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you like, know, start, you know, harnessing your chi. Um, what would David do? Um, yeah, mm, <laughs> what do you think David would do? <laughs> yeah. What Maybe would David what tell me to do that he's not going to actually do himself? That's exactly. a much longer wristband. I had it printed out at one time. But <laughs> It just doesn't have the same, you know, snap. It just doesn't roll off the tongue that easy. It's a good thing you got a giant wrist. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Fat hands, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, let them know one more time where they can find you at and where they can find your plethora of products, as Tom said earlier. Yeah, you can find my two plethora of products. <laughs> Nurse Papa, the book on Amazon and Nurse Papa, the podcast um, anywhere where you like to listen to podcasts, you won't regret it. That is true. You won't. That was just a mic drop, right? You won't regret it. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> You'll pay for your whole seat. You only sit on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, again, we, we, I think the book's going to be huge. I, I, I think it's a great book. Like, you know, Tom has blown enough smoke up your skirt. Uh, and I'm surprised that he knew you were wearing a skirt because the camera doesn't pan down that far. But I mean, Hey. I mean, Tom would be surprised I'm not wearing anything right now. Hey, that <laughs> this party's getting somewhere. I'm about normally, to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> that's normally how Tom records too. So it's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, well, but no, I think we're going to do great. Uh, the podcast, of course, is wonderful. I know you got some cool stuff coming up. And uh, it's always just a pleasure to have you on here, man. No, I really enjoy it as well. Thanks, fellas. I really appreciate it. Don't look at me. I'm not saying anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Tom giving me the finger? <laughs> Silently scowling. Mm. 
So beyond that, Tom, we do got some cool stuff coming up. Of course, we have our Halloween episode going to be just around the corner where we're going to talk about medieval medicine. It's going to be medieval medicine four. Um, oh my God, four, four. You going to talk about leeching? I, I think, think we've talked would, about leeching. Yeah, but we'll, we hit on all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah, if it's if it's one of those things that make you go ugh when you read about it, that's what we're going to talk about, and that we used to do it to people on purpose to try and help them. Oh yeah, so. we've done lots of messed up things, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we have. I mean, that hemorrhoid fixer. Woo! I think uh, in two hundred years they're going to look back and go chemotherapy oh my gosh yeah i don't know how many times i've said that especially to like nursing students i said i think in the next 10 20 years like they may see it they're gonna look back and go wait whoa you used to stab people with needles to put <laughs> medicine in them and i'm like yeah you yeah, didn't put we, it through the chips in your brain <laughs> yeah yeah you know you didn't use the transdermal squeegee patch i'm like oh is that's a thing yeah no we didn't have that we just jabbed them with open hole needles and just pushed as hard as we could until stuff went in them I'm like oh my god yeah, yeah well, so, I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds pretty barbaric. <laughs> so. It sure does. So beyond our Halloween episode, we have some medical mystery stuff coming up as well. We're going to do some reviews. If, you know, I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans on the review, Tom, because I think this is, I think this is going to be interesting stuff. If you have Peacock, which is the streaming network for NBC, not a sponsor, but they could be. Not yet. Not yet. Exactly. Um <laughs> If you have Everybody Peacock, else is. What? So. Yeah, of course, we talked about Dr. Death when it first came out back in 2019, 2018, whatever it was. Uh, we kind of just touched on it briefly. They had done a drama of Dr. Death, and that was really pretty good. But what we're actually going to review on our show is Dr. Death, the Undoctored Story. And that is actual true interviews with patients, families, the physicians that were there, where the ball was dropped. Um, there's four episodes on Peacock. We're going to review it and we're going to review episode one and two in one episode and episode three and four in the other episodes. So that's coming up around the corner. Tom, we can't get into too many details yet, but there may be, maybe a live appearance for just some podcast coming up. Could be. Um, I thought you were going to talk about maybe how we were going to be able to hear what our listeners were saying to us better. Do you understand? See what I did there? They could hear us better. See, yeah, see, yeah. see? oh, David's still like, I don't understand what the fuck he's saying, but no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm just hoping you'll stand up. <laughs> you got to pay extra for that. It's like the magic fingers on the hotel bed. You got to put a quarter in and then I stand up. So that's for <laughs> special su- subscribers. Yes. That's, yes, the, that's for the Patreon, Patreon that we version. don't have set up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That we don't have set up. So uh, there you go. Or it's his own dick. one of the two. I'm not sure which one it was. Um, <laughs> oh yeah do i have an only fans oh god so you do i run it you just didn't know it it's, <laughs> your wife sends me random pictures of you and i post them on there it's great he's so hot when he brushes his teeth with his shirt off <laughs> so <laughs> but once we get the details finalized for the live event we will of course get on there and talk all about that because we love interacting with our audience we love doing facebook live so it'll be fun to do an actual true live event as well so Tons of cool stuff coming up for us. Tons of cool stuff coming up for Nurse Papa. Pollyanna, don't think we forgot about you, too. Very oh, we pleasures. love Pollyanna. We love Pollyanna, too. We, some good stuff coming up on her episodes. Always some interesting uh, risque stuff over there talking about. So, it's yeah, I actually had to text her about the title. I hadn't even got to the episode one day. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> what, you know, what's going on here? I want to know before I before I start listening to it. But yeah, no, love Pollyanna. She is such a 
great chick. She'd probably get mad if I called her a chick, but she is. So she's a fine again, woman. I hope everyone takes a listen. Oh my god, I don't know. That actually sounds worse. It, sounds it does. Like Handmaid's Tale. Like totally. there you go, David. So <laughs> you're a fine woman, Pollyanna. <laughs> Doesn't sound creepy at all. <laughs> and we're not going to tell her about this. We'll see if she listens like we did with Tom's wife for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. And strike out. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you she does not listen. <laughs> uh, until I get that 2 a.m. text message. Hey, asshole. Guess what I heard today? <laughs> oh, when I get a text message with the word Quintodian in it, I'm going to know she heard this. <laughs> Quotidian, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Quit a beat your ass quotidian style. Like, oh, God. (laughs) Tom is making up new words. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (sighs) Yeah, that's great. (laughs) On those notes, again, David, great having you here. Thanks, guys. Um, Look forward to more coming from you. And we need to have you back on again sometime. Yeah. Just to bullshit about more stuff. Yeah. On that note, everybody have a great week. Hey everybody, stay safe out there. Quotidian. But swearing just to pass the time. Lately I see why I am alone. I caught some road bridge and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known. Took a press so I could find my cheek. Found me. Same without you